you heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. Now here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. We want to be a team that, you know, is known for playing with our pace and with our force and with our physicality. And so I think in the second half, we had a little bit more of that. And uh, we have the players to do it. We have the ability to do it. And, um, you know, just feel fortunate that I think our guys, you know, picked it up and, and uh, went to that. All right, a nice win for the Bucks tonight. Nine-point road win in Sacramento against the Kings. It was great to see what you got from Chris Middleton, who it did seem like, I could sense the, I don't know, growing frustration, uneasiness, whatever it was. You could sense the bubbling, oh, man, when is Chris going to have a Chris game? You got it in the final 24 minutes, and especially in that third quarter. He was a big catalyst, but look, the story of this game is Giannis and how much it makes you the best team in the league, it would certainly appear so, when he is on the floor, missed the last three games. You gave the Warriors all you could handle, all they could handle without him. And really, you should have won in San Francisco, but you didn't. Nonetheless, Giannis comes back tonight and uh, makes a strong case for his third MVP this season. I've already seen a little bit of it. We we had the discussion before the game, Tommy, where I just said, look, it, it does feel like it is set up for Joel Embiid to win the MVP. Yeah. Tonight doesn't change that for me. And it's, look, this is what's so tiresome about the MVP discussion. It doesn't mean Giannis is bad or Joel Embiid is better or Nikola Jokic is better. They are all three incredible players. The MVP doesn't mean who's the best. A lot of times the MVP is a narrative story. And the point I was trying to make is right now the narrative is set up for Joel Embiid. The game winner against the Blazers on Friday night, he's had a couple of moments like that this season, basically had the game winner against the Bucs on March 4th. And Joel Embiid has had some big statistical performances. What he is doing as a true center is incredible. It is some of the best offensive scoring, offensive play we have seen for a traditional big man. But, oh, by the way, Giannis is also a big man. You've already started to see the man... No big has had this numbers or these numbers per 36. It's it's Embiid and Wilt. No one, nobody's done it since then. We're completely ignoring the fact that Giannis is also a seven footer. He is just listed as power forward instead of center. But it's not like, oh, Joel Embiid is better. That's not what I'm saying. It's a narrative award that's given out, it's a regular season award. And Joel Embiid has been the bridesmaid. Joel Embiid continues to do this. The Sixers have also been really good. And Joel Embiid winning the MVP is a new story. So that's the point I was trying to make. It's not open and shut. You closed the door on Giannis earlier today. Yeah, I believe I gave him 5% chance. Gave him a 5% chance. I would say it's up to 6 after this wow, game. Wow, that's it. Yeah. So before the game, what did I say? I said it was, I, think I would said, say 40% Embiid, yeah. 35% Jokic, 25% Giannis. Um. I think it might be 40-30-30 right now. Really? Because here's the thing, too. One of the big things 
that Nikola Jokic had in his favor. And I love how, as much as I've talked about, as much as I hate the MVP discussion, here we are beginning the show with the MVP discussion. But one of the big things in, in Nikola Jokic's favor, it's not the spreadsheets and the stats and, hey, have you seen his Raptor and his Vorp plus minus, right? But the triple doubles, it is insane the number of triple doubles he has racked up. But the most insane part of it was the Nuggets haven't lost a game this season that Nikola Jokic records a triple-double. So people would say, well, is he stat-chasing? I don't know, but they win those games, so it does seem like they need it. They lost the last two times he recorded a triple-double. And if that starts to swing where it's, yeah. Remember when he was, what, I think they were 28-0 or something like that when he recorded a triple-double? Yeah, but now they're starting to lose. So is he stat-chasing? That's going to start to creep in. And, oh, by the way, again, Nuggets basically have the same record as the Sixers. Like, if you have the top three records in the league coming out of the East, I think that takes away a lot of the case for Jokic as well. I get the on-off stuff. It's, it's incredible for he and Embiid. But here's the other thing. Michael Malone and Doc Rivers do a lot of line changes where you, you basically play your starters together. Giannis hasn't had that. And here I'm making a stronger case for Giannis. Again, I think he's the MVP. As of right now, I don't think he's going to win it. I still think it's going to be Joel Embiid. But those two games against the Celtics and Sixers are very likely to determine who gets the MVP. Because the more important thing right now is you're three games up in the loss column on both the Celtics and the Sixers. With 14 games left, so let's let's do the math here, uh, Tommy. You're 49 and 19 now on the season. So let's just say you just play simply okay down the stretch, and in your 14 games, what if you go eight and six? So that would put you at 57 and 25. That means the Celtics would have to go 10-3 and three to match you. The Sixers would have to go 12-3 and three to match you. If you win those two games in Milwaukee against Boston, against Philly, it's over. Because then, assuming that 8-6, and six, two of those wins are those two games, add on one more game for both those teams. So Boston would need to go 11-2. and two. Philly would need to go 13-2. and two. And that's just if you go eight and six, just above five hundred, and win those two games. That's how monumental those two games are. So, do they have a eleven magic number right now? Combine that with the losses of Boston, wins of Milwaukee, possibly. Uh, I'm just I mean, uh, in case you want to do more math. Twenty-two, it's yeah, twelve twenty-two in the morning. Um, but they can, I would assume, can clinch a playoff spot. Today, later today, because you needed a win and a heat loss yesterday, last night. You won the heat one. So I would assume if you win in Phoenix, you've punched your ticket to the playoffs. First team to do so. I want to talk about this Phoenix game because we said before this game, it, it certainly seemed like tonight could be the most difficult of these three. There's just the Warriors are incredible at home, but there's just something about Golden State that seems off this year, and you basically gave them that game. Tomorrow, I don't want to undersell the Suns. Not a very deep team. 
Not a very deep team, and they're also approaching night two of a back-to-back. And look, we know Kevin Durant isn't going to play. What is Chris Paul going to look like on night two of a back-to-back if he plays at all? We know Chris Middleton is not going to play. Unofficially, no. But Bud basically told us that uh, pregame tonight, that that was the plan. Joe Ingles was going to sit tonight. He'll play tomorrow. Chris is going to play tonight and sit tomorrow. But still, depth. Not an issue for this Bucks team. We we still haven't seen Goran Dragic make his Bucks debut. I would assume that happens in Phoenix, a place that uh, he used to play as well. But 133-124, the final tonight. Bucks take down the Sacramento Kings. If you are still up, the number to join us, 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. Take a look at that matchup with the Phoenix Suns later today. And also, uh, what is going on in Boston? Because tonight, to me, reminded me a lot of, what, two years ago, what we saw in Milwaukee, where you looked at some of the seedings, and it, it usually comes down to, you look back at one or two games and say, you know, that felt like the one where things kind of slipped away in the seeding lines. It felt like that's what we saw with the Celtics tonight. We'll explain after this on Bucks Talk. Talk. comes right after Giannis. Oh, look at this. He just punched Lopez. We got a scrum going. Trey Lyles was pushing Giannis, and Lopez did not take kindly to it, got right in his face, and Lyles punches him. Can we um, can we say what Brooke Lopez said since it is 12.27 a.m.? If you can read lips, you know what he said. <laughs> well, I think the mic might have picked up a little of what he said as well. Go ahead. You can. Say, I'll let you say it. I'll let you do the honors. That's all right. Yeah. One thirty-three, one twenty-four. Bucks win in Sacramento, taking down the Kings, and now off to Phoenix for night two of a back-to-back. A spot where the Bucks have done very well, I believe. Still the best record in the league on the second night of a back-to-back. I think they've only lost once. I should double-check that. But they've been very good in those spots this season. And still holding on to one in the Eastern Conference. Now three games in the loss column up on the Celtics and the Sixers with 14 games left for the Bucks, 13 games left for the Celtics, 15 games left for the Sixers. And I'm going to keep mentioning the loss column, not what you see in the games back column. We're going to keep mentioning the loss column because you can't make those up. Those losses are there to stay. You can't take them away. You can only add wins, so that's why you got to look at the losses, and that's where the Bucks are in the most advantageous spot right now. So, uh, taking a look at standings, how how should I phrase this? Uh, do you know the last time? Date, give me a date. Somebody other than the Bucks led the Eastern Conference standings. Um, I'm thinking like mid February, right? Like I'll say Valentine's Day. Sounds about right. I'm gonna try again. I'll give you one more guess. Is it? Is it? Do I get any hint after that or no? no. Um, how about? I'll just tell you it's not accurate. Okay, thanks. Uh, I'll go with February sixteenth then, because that's my birthday. Uh you're. Well, you got the six right. February twenty sixth. Okay. The last I feel good about time, that. yeah, the last time the Celtics led the Eastern Conference, and that was just a couple of days into the second half quote-unquote second half 
of the season here after the All-Star break. So they did been, get it back, right? The Bucks led for maybe a day or something no, right there? No, 15 straight days now that the Bucks have led wow, the Eastern okay. Conference. Okay. Obviously the longest stretch they've put up this season. Boston uh, hasn't been your wire-to-wire leader, but when you look at that one line here, and uh, if you go to basketball reference, And actually, I misspoke. It is not the longest streak for the Bucks. It was earlier in the season when I believe it was 18, 19 straight days that they led. Um, but if you go to basketball reference, you can search standings by day. And it'll give you the table to show here's this, 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 this. It has been the Bucks or the Celtics basically start to finish here, leading the conference. The Atlanta Hawks a couple of days very, very early in the season, the first few days of the season. But other than that, you look at the one line, it's Milwaukee and Boston. And the Bucks have been there since just a couple of days into the post-All-Star break schedule. And it's going to take a lot to pry that away at this point. The Celtics, the last time they led the conference, they were 44-17. and 17. The Celtics are currently 47-22. and 22. Something is going on there. And it's, it's more than a late-season swoon. You see teams do that, especially veteran teams. You typically see it just before the All-Star break where it's, all right, let's get to the break here. Let's start to get this over with and get to the really meaningful games. It's not this point where you see it. That's what's kind of setting off some of these alarm bells. Three-game losing streak that they had most recently here. But some of these losses, too. Giving up that lead to the Brooklyn Nets, we saw the Bucs almost do the same thing, but a 28-point lead that evaporated against the Nets. The loss at Madison Square Garden to the Knicks, certainly helpful to the Bucs. That was right around the time the Bucs seized control. It's really ever since that game where you had the valiant effort against the Bucs, the try-hard Celtics that were down everyone and lost that game, Not a whole lot of bright spots since then. And now tonight, I mentioned you have a handful of these games every season that, you know, depending on what the standings look like, you point back to to that one game and say, man, that was it. That's what did us in last year. Or that's what did us in in in, in terms of our seeding and the standings. I suppose last year there wasn't really one for the Bucs. When you go back and look through it, I mean, you had a loss to the Mavericks at home late in the season. Tough game. This is a good Mavericks team. They reached the Western Conference Finals. Maybe, I guess you would say, the final game of the season against the Cavaliers where you decided to punt. Who knows? In an alternate universe, you win that game. You have the two seed. Maybe Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt then because you're not playing the Bulls. You know, who knows? But it was the 2020-2021 season. It ultimately didn't cost the Bucs because, of course, you won the championship. But you look back at a few of these games where you said, man, feels like that was the one that cost us. And ironically, it was game 62 in a 72-game season, remember, that really stands out where the Bucs lost on the road in Houston to the Rockets. That same Houston Rockets team. That was a big Kevin Porter Jr. game. And then you had a frustrating loss in San Antonio against a a bad 
Spurs team. You have those two that you really pointed to and said, man, that's what cost us. We should have won those games. If we did, it's a totally different seeding. We're the two seed. We have home court against the Brooklyn Nets. Didn't cost you because you won the title, but that Houston Rockets game really feels like what the Boston Celtics went through tonight to lose in Houston to that same Rockets team. But TBD, three games in the loss column, 14 left to play. It's not impossible, but that is a lot of ground to make up. In terms of the numbers, we keep mentioning playoff status. Playoffstatus.com will give you the percentages on everything you want to know. It updates once a day. It is updated now since we are officially into Tuesday. So what do the numbers say about the Bucks' chances to secure this number one seed? We'll give you the latest after this on Bucks Talk. Here tonight, Giannis gets, wow, Miles comes right after Giannis. Oh, look at this. He just punched Lopez. We got a scrum going. Trey Lyles was pushing Giannis, and Lopez did not take kindly to it. Got right in his face, and Lyles punches him. All right, Tommy, are you trying to start something here or insinuate something? Yeah, there's another Brooke Lopez highlight I had in there, and I just totally hit the punch one again. You punched up the wrong highlight. I did. I did. Yeah. Thank you, Trey Lyles. 133-124 final in Sacramento. Bucks win it. And again, three games up on the Celtics and Sixers in the loss column. So I keep mentioning playoffstatus.com. Two days ago, after the Bucks lost to the Warriors. All right, let's rewind a little bit more. Two days ago, the Bucks had an 81% chance of the one seed in the Eastern Conference. 81%. Or no, said it wrong again. 82%. 82% two days ago. You lose to Golden State. Philly keeps on winning. Boston was idle. We get to this morning, it was a 71%. Now, 71% is still a very good chance, right? Close to three-quarters probability that it's going to happen. Anybody would take that for anything. So 71, still good, but you look at it and say, huh, dropped 11 percentage points, huh? What if that drops another 10, and what if we get to a 50-50 proposition? After this win tonight and after the Celtics' loss, it is now an 86% probability, according to playoff status, that the Bucks secure the one seed. What uh, is even more remarkable to me is uh, granted it is not high percentage, but the Cel- the Sixers are closer to the Celtics percentage points for the one seed than they are likelihood of the two seed. So the way they see it, it's going to be Bucks, Celtics, Sixers. I'm not willing to go that far yet. What we've seen from Philly, I know their schedule is incredibly difficult down the stretch, and I have to double-check, but I believe... It is the most difficult remaining schedule. Do they play Boston twice? Once. Once. So as of right now, the Jazz have the most difficult remaining schedule. The Sixers have the third most difficult remaining schedule. Bucks, Celtics, Nuggets, Cavs, Suns, really, really difficult. As for the Bucks and why you see that number continue to skyrocket, Bucks have the 22nd most difficult remaining schedules. Or if you want to go in the inverse, 
Ninth easiest remaining schedule in league. Celtics are right in the middle at 16. So the numbers are telling you, hey, you've already got three games built in in the loss column, and your schedule isn't that difficult. You're probably going to finish first. So it's time to not take a, a deep breath and relax, but it's it's time to start to feel pretty good about the Bucks' chances here. Uh, now, I, I mentioned this, too, because I know last year on this very show, we kind of poked fun at the 538s projections because the 538s maligned at times, especially when it comes to uh, presidential election predictions, but 538 last year, if you recall, was the uh, the first resource that was really in on the Boston Celtics, even beyond the, hey, look at what Boston's doing. They figure, they seem like they've turned it around right after Christmas Day. All right, maybe a little bit better, but it was early February when the 538 was starting to say, you know, this Celtics team, that's who you need to look out for. And they started to skyrocket the, hey, this is the second most probable team to reach the finals. And for most of that second half of the season, they were the highest probability to reach the NBA Finals. And I think a lot of us looked at it and said, the Boston Celtics? Are you serious? Really? Look what happened. Now, Chris Middleton's injury had a lot to do with that. Who knows if that series goes differently? Maybe it doesn't. Point being... They seem to tab that one pretty early. And for the longest time this season, their model was telling you Boston Celtics are far and away the team with the highest probability of reaching the finals and winning the finals. We fast forward to today, March 14th. The team, according to the 538, with the best chance of reaching the NBA Finals is your Milwaukee Bucks at 37%. Celtics at 26%. Nuggets at 26%. And um, the Memphis Grizzlies also, still very high on the Grizzlies, 26%. The only other teams 20 or better, 76ers and the Golden State Warriors. Boy, it seems like... The eyebrows that were raised last year about the Celtics, it seems like that's going to be the Warriors this year, where everybody's going to say, I understand the championship pedigree. I get that you got Clay starting to look like Clay again. You got Steph Curry, great. Win on the road. Especially if you're going to be in the playing tournament and may have to win a game on the road. Uh, but the Bucks, 37% chance of reaching the finals, according to the 538, a 24% chance of winning the finals. Next closest is the Boston Celtics at 16. So all of these numbers have started to turn for the Bucks. I mentioned the, the 13 games left for the Celtics and the 15 games left for the Sixers. There are really a lot of landmines on that schedule for Philly. For Boston, six-game road trip, but we said, hey, look, they're going to turn it around. These six games, relatively easy. You got the Kings at the very end of this road trip. But aside from that, these are games, it seems like Boston is going to win, if not easily. They should, right? You lost in Houston tonight. You have the Minnesota Timberwolves on Wednesday, who have been playing pretty well lately. 
in Portland against the Blazers, who are still trying to make the playoffs. And Damian Lillard is a handful. The Utah Jazz are still playing tough. That's Saturday, back-to-back. And then you close things out one week from today, the 21st of March, in Sacramento against the Kings. So they have some tough games left. And then, oh, by the way, Bucks and Sixers, both of those games on the road. Very, very difficult stretch. Or difficult stretch is with the road and those two games against the Bucks and Philly. For the Sixers, we mentioned third most difficult remaining schedule, but when you look at it even more, against the Cavs on the road on Wednesday, they should win that game. But Cleveland, not necessarily in the clear yet, holding off the Nuggets, or holding off the Nuggets, holding off the Nets and or Knicks for that four spot. Then you got a pretty brutal three-game swing. All on the road, part of a four-game road trip in San Francisco against the Warriors, the very next night in Phoenix against the Suns, and then two days later, three days later from that, in Denver against the Nuggets. You come home to take the Mavericks, who shredded you a couple of weeks ago. Then you have the Bucks and the Celtics in back-to-back games. So a really difficult schedule left for the Philadelphia 76ers. And as for the Bucks. If you get through tomorrow, tonight, basically, with a win over those Phoenix Suns, and again, I do believe they are going to win this game because of their depth. You come home for a three-game homestand, Pacers, Raptors, and Spurs. You should win all three of those games, especially with the one seed in your sights. Then a four-game road trip with another back-to-back, Utah and Denver. Denver's very good, right? Utah, place the Bucks seemingly never win. So that's going to present challenges. But the other two are Detroit and Indiana. As long as you win those two games against Boston and Philadelphia, it probably seals the one seed for the Bucks. As long as you don't turn in a hey, we went two and twelve in the final fourteen. The only two were against those two teams. You win those two games. If you play 500 the rest of the way, it doesn't matter. You have basically locked up the one seed. So that is the position that the Bucks have put themselves in with what they have done now for, what do we say, February 26th? So the last uh, two weeks, two weeks that the Bucks have taken first place and have refused to let go of it. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line to join us. Still a little bit of time. Left on Bucks Talk, we will take a look at this matchup with the Phoenix Suns. What to expect? We'll fill you in after this on Bucks Talk. Nine-point road win in Sacramento against the Kings. The Bucks now head to Phoenix and get set for night two of a back-to-back against the Suns, a Suns team that was in action tonight and lost at the Chase Center in San Francisco against the Warriors. Uh, we know Kevin Durant is not going to play in that game. Chris Paul has played in, I believe, three back end of a back-to-back this season. He's the guy you're most curious to see how he reacts because it's not a deep team, and no Kevin Durant really changes things even more for the uh, the Phoenix Suns. So we mention this because I alluded to the Bucks being very, very good on the back end of a back-to-back this season. They are 8-1. 
eight and one on the second game of a back to back with a net rating at ten point eight, best record and best net rating in the league in those games. The only team close is the Boston Celtics, who are eight and two. And when they're facing an opponent that is on night two of a back to back, the Bucks are eleven and one. Only the Boston Celtics have been better in terms of win percentage at 8-0. and Now, the interesting part is the Phoenix Suns on night two of a back-to-back are 5-4. and four. They have a negative net rating. Their offense and defense have both been mediocre in those games. But when the Suns are playing a team... That is on the second night of a back-to-back. They're eleven and two. Bucks are eleven and one when playing a team on the second night, and they both have a comparable net rating. So the Suns have been good playing teams with the the opponent short rest. Bucks have been good playing opponents on short rest, and when they have short rest as well. So again, another reason to feel relatively good about tomorrow's game, tonight's game. And you know, here's the last thing too, Tommy. They should have won Saturday. I think they're going to win today in Phoenix. If they went 3-0, and if they closed out the deal Saturday night, you should have won after Brooke Lopez blocked Jordan Poole at the rim. If you just hold on to the ball, let them follow you. Hit free throws, it's probably over. Five is still not relatively safe against the Warriors, but you probably win that game. If the Bucs go 3-0 and on this trip, then you start to hear everything mount of, well, the Bucks are the prohibitive favorites. They are the clear favorites to win the NBA championship. Two and one should do that, too. Man, three pretty tough teams on the road, and they won two of those three games. But if you're 3-0 and on that trip, if you won Saturday night and you win again tonight, that's all you would be hearing. Maybe not so much the MVP. Then you'd have even more. Giannis is the MVP. This team is the title favorites. But again, plenty of reason for optimism. Bucks have been good in these games, and you know the Suns are going to be shorthanded. But it is going to be interesting to see the injury report later this afternoon, specifically Giannis, what his status will be for that game. We will wrap up the show, preview the matchup with the Suns after this on Bucks Talk. Bucks win in Sacramento and a chance at a winning road trip with a win later tonight in Phoenix against the Suns. This will be the fifth time this season the Bucks and their opponents are both on night two of a back-to-back. Tommy, the good news, the Bucks have won all four of their previous games in that situation. Good news. Uh, the outlier in that group of teams that have played the best Warriors have only had one of those games. They won it. Grizzlies have had two of those games. They're 2-0. The Celtics are 3-0. The Sixers are 3-0. The Brooklyn Nets are 3-0. The Suns are 3-1. The outlier is the Washington Wizards, who are also 3-1 when both they and their opponent are on night two of a back-to-back. That one loss? The Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks last Sunday. How does that work where the schedule like is that a championship friendly schedule right there that that just doesn't happen for them that what doesn't happen the Warriors they're not playing as many back-to-back-to-back-to-backs well uh not so much I mean you want if you're going to be on on a back-to-back you would rather more games where your opponent is as well the Warriors have won one of those games yeah that's that's not really an advantage for the Warriors 
But they're also probably getting more rest days too then, right? Um, They're getting... I guess we don't know their back-to-back schedule. Well, yeah, the Warriors have played... Uh, fourteen back to backs. So Ooh, they've had quite a few less than that. Bucks right? have played yeah. nine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, never mind. So quite a few. Another nine o'clock tip though in the desert for the Bucks and the Suns. And look, this could be not the version you're going to see tomorrow or tonight. This could be an NBA Finals preview because that Western Conference remains as crowded as ever. The win tonight by the Warriors was important because now. Uh, they're two games back of the Suns in the loss column. But you look at the way the West is shaken out, the Nuggets are going to be the one seed. Other than that, everything is very, very tightly bunched. And, oh, by the way, the uh, Memphis Grizzlies now back in the two spot after the loss tonight. My thanks, to everybody, for tuning in to Tommy Wartz for producing the show. We will talk to you once again later tonight with more Bucks Talk.